Hello and welcome back to God's Planning. I am uh, Father Gregory Pine. I had to pause there to remember my name, which is embarrassing. I am a Dominican province. Nope, I'm not a Dominican province. No, I'm you're a Dominican not. friar of the province of St. Joseph. I am on fire. I have completed two sentences and committed two errors. For all of you mathematicians out there, that's a one error to sentence, one to one error to sentence ratio. Um, I'm joined here by Father Joseph Anthony Crest. <laughs> Father Joseph Anthony, how are you? Howdy, howdy. Good, good. Uh, off and running this year. And as far as I can tell, I'm, I'm doing pretty well with my uh, error to sentence ratio right now. I know who I am. <laughs> I, I am Father Joseph Anthony Crest. I am a Dominican friar, and I am the chaplain at the University of Virginia. Uh, wahoo wah, go who's. Got it all out there. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I once, I was at an event. I introduced Father Michael O'Connor, who was the speaker. I gave an introduction of maybe four or five sentences, and in that introduction, I committed four errors. So I got, <laughs> like, the, the date that he entered the order wrong, the date that he was ordained wrong, the length of his first assignment wrong, and actually the nature of, of his course. present assignment. I got that wrong, too. And then he just well, he just Nobody else in that me. crowd knows, right? <laughs> Except him. He was the only Except one that him. knew. Everybody else was like, oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. He pointed them all out, though, and I was, I was mortified, <laughs> but also sanctified. Okay, but it's not just us on this episode. We're joined by uh, Ms. Andrea Thomas and Mr. Greg Boudreaux of The Vigil Project. So it's a delight to have you. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us. Um, Hey, how are you doing? Good. Feeling the pressure to keep up with this ratio we're talking about, but uh, other than that, good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to be the silent type today, like if, if we're counting errors, so. Yeah. That's, That's always a good strategy on a podcast is if you wait, someone else will speak first. And True. then you can just pick up the pieces of what they leave behind. Um, so, okay, the Vigil Project uh, is is a is a, an apostolate, um, a music group. You know, first kind of dedicating to the making and the performing of music, but it's more than that. So, if you would uh, just introduce us, introduce our listeners to your work. I can absolutely do that, Andrea. Go ahead, tell us the story. <laughs> Greg always puts me in this position. Uh, we'll arm wrestle later. Um, yeah, so we are uh, we are a Catholic music organization with a really simple mission to make music for the Catholic journey, um, and sort of a submission of supporting other other artists and musicians doing the same. Um, in some ways, uh, we are approaching uh, six years of being a ministry, and in many ways, we sort of laugh that we started a little bit on accident. Of course, there's no accidents, but in, but we just didn't see it coming. And it was roughly six years ago that we, uh, within our collective, the musicians and the artists and the writers and sound engineers, like we were all friends working in um, various capacities of music, some secular, some Catholic. And we really found that through conversation and different connecting uh, moments that we were all, um, we had something common stirring in us that we really craved and were looking for excellent music within the Catholic church. Um, new music that was liturgically based, you know, uh, with the with the rhythm of the church that we could pray with during these sacred seasons. We were approaching the season of Lent, much like we are now, and um, and it was one of those things where we uh, we just were looking and looking. We found often we were going outside of the confines of our, you know, Catholic church to find new music to bring back into the fold. And here we are, writers, musicians, and we just thought, gosh, maybe maybe this is the calling to write some. And that was the start of our first project and uh, really the springboard of our ministry six years ago. So, yeah. um, As you talked about, like, the kind of beginnings, that, like, conversation that's happening amongst people who have, you know, a, 
one mind and one heart in that way. Um, mm -hmm. How does that over the last six years, like where, how's that brought you to where you are now and like the work that you guys are doing now? So like, w what does it look like at the, the current point of six years of constantly having that conversation, constantly building with uh, people in that similar way? What has it brought you to now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. Go ahead. Go for it. No, no, please. It's uh, it's kind of funny to us because I think that's what that's se almost seven years ago now that we started, and uh, and again, like like Andrea was saying, it was it was not like something we intended. We didn't think that seven years. If we had said like, where are you going to be in seven years? It wouldn't have been where we actually are now. You know, we would have probably said, oh, we would have had a an album that's seven years old. That's where we would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but instead, like what we actually find is, is what you described is that we, f we find ourselves in the midst of, of an apostolate, you know, which is, um, it's, it, there's a group of us, there's five of us that work as part of this team and we have a, a very focused mission and that mission is to both create and to, and to disciple in a sense, you know, and so, uh, where are we now and what are we doing? Um, you know, we're, we're both making more projects and I, I actually need to count how many, I don't know, what, what's the number, Ange, is it? nine eight nine something like that uh you know uh actual albums we've got a number of other projects kind of in the works right now so that's kind of the creative side um we also do a lot of outreach you know so we're in we're in parishes a lot of a lot of lent a lot of advent we spend those seasons kind of doing in a sense missions for parishes you know that that have a musical bent to them um, and then also i think one one part of our our ministry that we're doing now that we're excited about and that we maybe didn't foresee ourselves doing uh, was this mission of, of helping to foster the talent that's within the church. You know, it's not just this one group of people. It's like every, every parish, every church, like it's full of talent. So those are some of the things that we're doing now. So I think um, many, many of us, many of our listeners have had the experience of what would you call this? Um, so something is proposed to you as Catholic art whether it's film or music or literature, and it's very evident that it's Catholic, but it's not as evident that it's art. <laughs> so you know, it's good <laughs> that people begin works of this nature with good intentions and devout purposes. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, if it's not if it's not good art, then it can be like scandalous in the sense that you know people who hear it who aren't convicted are like, yikes this can't be true, or yikes, what would motivate me to inquire further into whatever inspires this? So, Ange, when you described it, or when you introduced it, you said it's, it's to be excellent. It's intended to be yeah. excellent. How does that shape your mission? Um, how does that inform the fruit of your labors? You're like, what, is, mm -hmm. what does it mean to be dedicated to an excellent thing? Um, great question. I would say, uh, you're like, thanks, I do this for a living. Um, I would say when it comes to excellence, that was really something common that we found was was and is still still very much stirring in all of our our hearts and is a pillar of our work, not just because we like things to be good, which we do, but it's because it's for God and therefore God deserves everything excellent because he is all things excellent. And so um, what you started to touch on there is a question that I would say none of us necessarily realized God was going to invite us onto this journey of discovery, which is what is Catholic art? Is it a genre? Is it a state of mind? Is it a sacramental worldview? Is, does it, is it necessarily religious? You know, 
what what exactly is Catholic art? And that's something that we've actually been delving into and kind of soaking ourselves in because, you know, we were kind of joking about like West Side Story before like we pressed play, but you know what? There's something really beautiful and excellent and awesome about some musical theater that arguably meets the criteria for Catholic art because it is excellent, because it is authentically beautiful, because it points us to what is true, right? So I think within what we are doing within our sort of apostolate these last seven years um, is discovering, creating, perpetuating, inviting, because by doing that, ultimately the goal is bringing people to God's heart um, through that, that lens of excellence, not simply for excellence itself, but because it's the means, um, it's the means to knowing more of who God is, if that makes sense. Your your kind of um, motivation and digging there reminds me of John Paul II's letter to the artist, which is by far one of my favorite works that he's ever written. And he mm. talks about like all good art in a, in a real sense takes you deeper into the experience of the human person, because at the depths of the human person is the creator in whose image and likeness that man or woman is created in. Okay. So yeah, it can it can be kind of gritty at times. It can be messy, but in the sense that if if this is art that's taking us into the depths of the human experience, we find the the creator there, but also we find the redeemer. And there's there's an mm -hmm. aspect of good art that uh doesn't take you into like the despair and the destruction and the you know disfigured human person and then just leave you there. It kind of draws you forward towards the redeemer. Uh, yes, and, and, and you that there's a way out too. Exactly, and 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 referencing to what Father Gregory was just talking about in terms of the scandal of maybe something that falls short of excellent that's proposed as Catholic art, right? I do think that there's a tension and a scandal there because um, it doesn't meet the standard that is deserving of the Almighty um, in many ways, and I think that's the call, not just in music but in life. That is the call to excellence. It's not this obsession with being the best. Um, it's it's knowing that we we need to give God our highest, you know, because that's what he's deserving of. But what's really interesting, um, and Greg, I, I would like love to pass the baton for you uh, to expound on this a little bit, is um, thinking uh, and exploring from our end, um, especially in the last 18 months, I would say, um, kind of what you were talking about, Father Greg, about um, uh, kind of the old versus the new and how um, there's so many people, I think, that are um, maybe comfortable going back to what we would consider traditional things. Um, and there's a beauty and a good there. But again, I think so often people don't even know what they mean when, when they say traditional Catholic music. Um, because what we're finding is that's actually significant gray area. What is traditional Catholic music? Um, when does it start? Uh, when does it end? You know, um, because sometimes people that reference traditional Catholic music in many other people's spheres, that's actually progressive new art, yeah. uh, if that makes sense. I think traditional, a lot of times people would just mean nostalgic because I'll hear people say like, oh, I just love that traditional song you sung at that funeral. You mean on Eagle's Wings? Like, exactly. That's, that's, yep. mm -hmm. that's where it's at. Tr yeah, tradition, it traditional for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and like I think that's where like maybe we... <laughs> Maybe this is where it kind of starts to be a divisive conversation, honestly, for all of us as Catholics, you know, like, uh, I think there's, you know, it's, it's really amazing that, you know, the human person is made unique and unrepeatable. And so like, I'm different from you, and you're different from everyone else on this call. <laughs> Imagine that. And so 
what that means is a couple things. One is like just innately, we have different sensibilities, different inclinations, different, you know, just innately. But then secondarily, like my formation is different from yours. My experience is different from yours. And that leads us to land at a different place, you know, especially when it comes to something like, you know, uh, what, uh, what, what food do I prefer? What, uh, what music do I prefer? And all those kinds of things. And so, you know, sensibility is like this, this really important thing. And so if we don't have good terms to define what we're actually talking about concretely, then things sort of start to just dissipate into, I mean, a little bit of a relativistic kind of conversation, because all of us have our own experience of these things. And there's room for that human experience too, in inside of music and inside of the tradition of the church. Um, it was, and this is what I want to say about that is like, I think we start to just corner one side of music or another, like in specific to music and specific to art, we're just like, okay, this is the way. And, and this is the only way. Um, and so, you know, this, this sort of set of hymnody or this, this kind of this style or that is the way and everything else isn't. Um, but I think one thing that we've just been discovering more and more of is, uh, man, the reality that as we talk about music specifically, it's a giant gift that God's given us. You know, when we talk about the arts, it's a giant gift that God's given us. It's a complex gift that God's given us. And it's not one that can just be, we can just unwrap one corner of and sort of be okay, not unwrapping the rest of the gift, if that makes sense. Um, or we can be okay with it. And we'll just probably have a miserable life, but, um, but we're, we're invited, <laughs> we're invited to unwrap the whole gift, if that makes sense. And I think that's what we felt called to in our apostles oh, yeah. specifically in our creative creativity specifically is like, guess what? Like we like, we love liturgical music. We love Gregorian chant. Like if we want to talk about tradition, we love sacred hymnody. Like we, we love those things. We also love using guitars to, to offer praise to God. And we feel like there's room for all of those things because God's given us this gift. You know, he's given us this way of bringing him praise specifically through, through song in our case. So I'll, I'll stop there. Cause I don't want to go nuts. So <laughs> other people formulate a question say. and in formulating a question, it's going to seem like I don't know exactly what I'm asking, but uh, don't be deceived. <laughs> I kind of do. <laughs> All right. So you talked about our, our unique and individual experience, which can devolve into a kind of relativism, but we have a confidence as Catholics. I mean, we have a confidence as human beings, that there's something common to our experience because we share a common nature. Now, like downstream of sin, I think we find it more difficult, more anguished to establish a basis of commonality, to host a real conversation, to live a real common life. But our hope that such a thing can be accomplished grows with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here, um, I have to do product placement in every, uh, in every episode where I have to mention St. Thomas Aquinas or I actually get kicked out of the order. Um, so in, in, in the Summa, in the treatise on Christology, St. Thomas talks about why it's most fitting that the second person of the most blessed Trinity take human flesh. And he gives all of these very beautiful theological explanations. One of the reasons for which he says is because the word is the pattern of creation. So all things are patterned on the word. And so it's most fitting that the word be the pattern of recreation. And this, okay, so, so to kind of play out this incarnate logic, we have a commonality in Christ insofar as, yeah, he took a particular human nature. He was born in Palestine in the first century to these parents, you know, in X, Y, and Z circumstances. 
but also he, he has a solidarity with all human beings, with all of mankind. And that the salvation, which he wins for us, which he applies to us, is indeed for all. You know, God desires that all be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. Okay, so that's like a long, wild prelude. Um, but, I, but I think that my, my suspicion is that you find something of this commonality in your work by witnessing the way in which it mediates salvation, the way in which it heals, the way in which it elevates, the way in which it like begets a kind of metanoia, a change of mind and heart. So have you experienced that? I don't know, like maybe small stories, maybe small experiences, maybe, maybe soaring theory. What do you, what do you think about that? We are in the deep end of the pool. That's what I, that's what I think. So, uh, (laughs) I'll, I'll start and, and Angela, I'll actually let you, I want to just start with something and I'll let you think of maybe an example or or an experience that we've had like this. So I, this is, this is an important thing I think for us in what we do is I don't think we think of our work as an arrival point, if that makes sense. Um, and that's important. Uh, we were recently actually, we had the opportunity just to have a conversation and an interview with, uh, Paul Jernberg, who's become a good friend. He's a, he's a liturgical musician, uh, and, and composer. Um, and yeah, it was just sort of clarified for me, like, man, I really, I really love that we don't see our work in the, in the music that we're creating as, as an arrival point, we actually see it as a, it's almost like a tool or a conduit or whatever you want to call it, uh, for evangelization to happen for encounter to happen. Um, and I think it's, it's important to see it that way, specifically what we do, because, um, like we've been called, like you're saying to something more than just the one moment we live in, you know, uh, and we need, but we need to have the word proclaimed to us in all those moments so that we can arrive one day, you know? And, and so that's kind of just a, I'll keep it lofty there. And Angie, I don't know if you want to boil that down and get more specific. Well, I, I, you know, one question I would pose, uh, I would pose to each of us here on this, on this podcast this morning, and even to those listening is like, can you remember the first time that you were moved by music? Can you remember the first time that you, something stirred in you? And that's a hard thing to put to words, but most people can, can identify at least one moment in their life when they were moved, whether it was in a religious setting, whether it was in an entertainment setting, whether it was at a sporting event. Uh, whether it was in a bar, like there was a moment when I was like something, it was something like moved in me, right? And it can be such a unifying experience for anybody that's in the room. Um, and that's a common thing. And so, so often, you know, having a bit of a Dominican heart myself, I do want to understand and get to the root of like, okay, so what exactly was that? How could I put that to words? And what, you know, what did I experience there? Why God why, you know, why the Lord Almighty has chosen the medium of art and music to, to move us. Uh, and, and, and what I believe that has been written onto our very beings, like that's why it's moving in us, right? Because it's, it's congruent, it's parallel with something that's already there. Um, why he chooses that medium to encounter us, I really don't know. But I do know that it's common to the human experience. And, and, and you know, the Lord himself saying, you know, that Mary and Joseph like history tells us, like they easily knew that the ancient chants that, that that happened back then and what they were doing in their different services and culturally and all that. And it has maintained itself through different forms and, and waves throughout the centuries. Um, but really, I think just echoing what Greg is saying, so often whenever we play an event, we just really feel like our job is to create the space, create the space for encounter, you know, 
Um, and I think some people would actually have um, a critique to modern music, especially within worship, because they think it's emotionally manipulative. You know, we've had this conversation a lot too, where it's almost like, right, you're like building it up and it's this like kind of moment. And then like the drums are building and it's just like, you have this like overwhelming sense of something. And it's like, was that real? Was that an encounter that I had? Or was that just emotionalism? And I do think there's absolutely a difference, but I don't, I, I, in my opinion, and what we've discovered and, um, and what the, the church would agree with is that like, God certainly does meet us there. Um, yeah. Boom. All right. We've come to an arbitrarily chosen midpoint. So we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side of that break, we will delve more into some of these themes. So stick with us. You are listening to Godsplaining. Visit us at godsplaining.org to listen to our episodes, shop our store, and donate to our podcast. All gifts go to improving the podcast and bringing the gospel to more listeners. Thanks for your support. All right, welcome back to Godsplaining. Uh, with my last question, I think I spoke for like a billion and a half minutes. So I'm going to send it over to Father Joseph Anthony so he can write the ship and save me from my verbosity. Father Joseph Anthony, that, further that thoughts, is a, further questions? Man, that, that's, a, that's a heavy task to, to uh, levy on me, but we'll, we'll try it. <laughs> um, as we were kind of ending the last segment, um, Andrew, you were talking about things that are like very close and, and near and dear to my heart is how how is it that the human person is kind of engaged with music as this common experience? And I know Father Gregor just talked about how he just spoke on for a million and a half minutes before ever actually posing a real question to you guys. I want to try to temper myself from doing the same thing, but <laughs> I think there's a beauty to especially lyrical music being very incarnational, you know, the lyrics dealing with the intellect in the, the musicality, dealing with the, the emotions of the person, kind of this very incarnate reality of head and heart coming together. Um, but when we talk about music as prayer, right? And I know this is something that is like part of this entire ministry that you guys are engaged in the vast majority of people approach music as entertainment. And I think as a society, as modern man, the, the lens of entertainment becomes the lens through which we see pretty much all of life. And how, how are you engaged in that? How, how do you kind of fight that tension and take something that is more commonly experienced as entertainment, as emotionally manipulative entertainment if we want to go so far as that and then kind of reframe it or work within that space to present it as prayer and to present it as something redeeming and opening us up to encountering our god and the divine um yeah so how do you work within that kind of modern experience of entertainment in music but able to present something as prayer and redeeming in that way Are we playing chicken right now? I'm, I'm... <laughs> Come on, I took the last it's, one. You got no, this. No, 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 it's great. It's great. You, I love a great when you speak on I, this. I, I love this question because it's one that I'm always like, I'm always wrestling with, to be honest with you. Um, and I think like one, like step one to answering this question for any of us, whether we're creating music or whether we're like, you know, we're endeavoring to pray with music, you know, pray through music uh, is to recognize 
exactly what you said that we have in some way all been formed by an industry that's created to to entertain us and what does industry exist for for commerce right to make money and so uh, like if we were to trust that uh not, not probably not the right place to put our you know our hopes for deep prayer you know um and so there is in a sense a reformation of the heart or like a deeper integration of the heart that needs to happen to to sort of reclaim this and I, I use that word reclaim because that's really important like entertainment doesn't own music entertainment does not own art commerce does not own those things those those are gods like he he's given those things to us um and so there's a reclaiming or like a a, a reforming that needs to happen for us you know and i think we've recognized that in real ways as being musicians who do this in a sense professionally we're in front of a lot of people a lot of times you know and, and we're you know all those things in some ways it would look exactly the same as, as if we were playing on a secular stage, you know? Um, and so where's the shift? Where does it happen that this is somehow different from, from entertainment? And uh, that first place is in the heart, I think, you know, in recognizing that like uh, God's made my heart for him and no amount of attention, no amount of, uh, of anything is gonna, is gonna actually satisfy my heart except my heart being for him, you know? Um, and then as far as taking music and, and turning that to prayer, like, like God gave us music for prayer. Like he gave us beauty so that we could know goodness and so that we could know truth, you know? And so like, so music is part of that. And so if we can, if we can remember that this, this gift existed long before entertainment existed, uh, or, or maybe not long before industry existed rather, uh, then we can remember that this is, this is a gift for prayer, you know? Um, so we've we've seen that uh, for ourselves, very practically speaking, some things to keep us on the rails. One is we don't actually write all that much. We don't use the word I all that much in our, in our music, if that makes sense. We actually see that like, you know, it, it makes a lot more sense for prayer when we write from scripture. So when we just kind of plagiarize scripture, uh, we... we <laughs> we kind of stay on the rails of we end up with music that actually helps us pr pray. Um, when we, when we write music from scripture, the next step I would say is when we're not afraid of desolation as well as consolation in our writing, in our, in our music. You know, I think a lot of times in, in modern Christian music, like we just see themes of consolation. We just see themes of, of like God, you know, the victor, which we always want to end up there. Like that's where we're going. But like when I read the Psalms, man, I see the depths of despair. I see the depths of desolation and, and the fact that that's where the Redeemer comes, you know? So these are kind of some of the things that we keep in mind as we write music, you know, as we, we want to use scripture. The other things that we keep in mind are we want our music, we said it's not an arrival point. We want it to be sort of oriented towards the sacraments, you know? We want it to orient us towards the source and the summit of our faith, towards the Eucharist, towards the word. Um, we also want to recognize that we're not just sort of like floating through some kind of you know, life that's oriented loosely towards Jesus, but actually we, we live through seasons. You know, we, we come out of the out of the Christmas season and at least here in New Orleans, we go into Mardi Gras season. Then we go into, uh, you know, that's that's official here um, on our liturgical calendar. I don't know about yours, but then we go into Lent, then we go into Easter, ordinary time and, and so on. And, and we celebrate these solemnities and these feast days. You know, there's a there's a um, there's a progression, there's a journey to the Christian life, and so all of those things are things that we kind of we want to write into the music that we write, so that they can truly uh, become prayer. You know.
And I, one like 30 second addition to that, um, Greg, that's so cool. I love that. I know, I know we're coming up on like short on time, but one thing I think is really important to say is that um, I just, this book just happens to be sitting in front of me and it's Cardinal Sarah's book, um, The Power of Silence Against the Dictatorship of Noise. And um, I will just say, if music just begets more music, begets more music, begets more music, begets more noise, right? Um, For what? And there's like, ultimately, these things are all really meant to lead us into the Holy of Holies, into like the silence where God actually speaks the loudest and he moves the most. And so, um, you know, Father Gregory used the word metanoia, like that conversion of the heart for us against a culture of entertainment and against a culture of commerce and fame and celebrity. It is that every day. It's choosing that every day as an individual working in this as your job or not, like everything is on the foundation of um, kind of meeting God there every day uh, to gain your strength, if, if that makes sense. All right, I have one more question, and my interest is piqued by the description that you gave of the secondary apostolate of supporting, encouraging, kind of upbuilding other Catholic artists and musicians. I guess what I kind of have in the background of my mind is this kind of fundamental reality of the church's communion. Um, so I'm thinking about Lumen Gentium and the way in which the church is described there at the outset. So God is a communion of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When our Lord Jesus comes, to reveal God, to save us from our sins. He does so, you know, through friendship. I no longer call you slaves, but friends, for I've shared with you everything that I have from my Father. So I, I like to see how communion is played out in every dimension of the church's life. And so this this idea that, you know, you're not just kind of like working for the promotion of your own work, but that it it's a kind of communion among Catholic artists, I find really interesting. So if you could just maybe say, a word about that, a word about your experience with, with those folks. Yeah. Oh man. I don't know. I mean, I think that we really wish, um, I don't know when the church necessarily stopped discipling in an, you know, in a consistent, excellent way, especially like lay people and, and musicians and artists and things like that. But there was a time, uh, in the church's history where that was very normal and common and we sort of lost it. And, um, I know Greg and I have found significant common ground um, as friends and as musicians that we really wish we would have had that. I think it would have helped save a lot of heartache um, and it would have expedited quite a lot, I think, uh, if we would have had that. And so sometimes I think the Lord allows and affords that we experience things that are tough so that when we're called to step up, it's not just because we see a need, it's because we know intimately the need because we experienced it ourselves. So that's kind of, um, I guess, the heart with which we're approaching helping form, um, you know, form other musicians. But we very much, you know, Greg, I guess I'll just let you round this question out with just the areas that we see in terms of formation and maybe like you can just tell them quickly what we do. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a it's a it's a big question to answer. So in a word is that that's hard to accomplish. But, but we kind of like we focus on three areas like with all the things that we do in, in trying to, to form and help to disciple other musicians in the Catholic Church, there's, you know, there's, there's sort of the spiritual life um, and forming that and forming people just to know God, you know, that's first and foremost. And then, and then we focus on community, you know, building you up as part of this church, as part of this community, as part of the people. And that's like, you know, some of that's like, you know, lofty and some of that's really simple, like how to just relate to other musicians in your parish, you know? Um, or other, or be, just be part of your parish and be a musician. Like you're not set apart in that sense. 
Um, and then, and then finally is just technical formation, you know, back to that question of excellence, like let's, let's identify the gifts that you have and like, let's, let's develop those so you can actually be a better musician, you know? And so it's, uh, it's a lot of fun because all of those things are necessary at the end of the day for the sanctification. If, if I'm called to be a musician working within the church, then like, this is part of my sanctification, right? For me to live that call well. And uh, it's been really neat to be just a small part of that for, for others. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much uh, for your insight, for your wisdom, uh, for sharing from your experience. I know folks listening will certainly want to listen to your music and be in touch with the resources that you make available. So could you just give us, yeah, give us some indication as to where we can find you or maybe online, but also in living Technicolor? Yes. Ooh, Technicolor. Um, yeah. So our website's just thevigilproject.com. And then all of our music is streamable on all major platforms, um, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, um, all that fun stuff. So that's where you can find us. Boom. All right. Well, uh, listeners, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of God's Planning. Uh, please do like, share, and subscribe. Get the word out. Um, be part of a culture of, of patronage, which was the case in yesteryear, but has since become not the case. So we want to build up the arts. It doesn't just mean consuming. It also means it also means promoting. That's part of the transformation we're in. Beauty will save the world. And so we're grateful for your efforts in doing that. Thankful, uh, thankful also for those who support the podcast. Um, that uh, yeah, I was actually thinking about this today, and I was just grateful for those who support the podcast because um, this summer we're having three retreats. And if folks didn't support the, support the podcast, we wouldn't have three retreats because <laughs> the retreats don't make any money. They actually lose money. Uh, but we're able to pay somebody to organize all of the details so that we can show up and it can be great because otherwise we wouldn't do it. <laughs> so we're very grateful for your support and humbled by it. Uh, and certainly we keep you in prayer and ask that you do the same for us. And we will catch you next time on God's Planning.